The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowd, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds all through the wheat, and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. The slaves of the householder householder came and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. His slaves said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? He replied, No, if you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. Then at harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles for burning, but gather the wheat into my barn. He proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, yet when full grown, it is the largest of plants. It becomes a large bush, and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. He spoke to them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He spoke to them only in parables to fulfill what had been said through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what has been laid hidden from the foundation of the world. Then dismissing the crowds, he went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, the good seed the children of the kingdom, and the weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin, and all evildoers." It will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. We have ears, right? Uh, at least I think everyone has ears, so everyone heard that. But yet, did we hear it? Did we understand it? We probably heard this parable before. We've heard this explanation before. And yet, we hear but don't hear. And we hear and don't hear partly because we've heard it before. And partly because we know certain things and don't know other things. To understand, as I keep on saying, is that God is more complex than what we understand, right? We have learned certain things that are right about God and certain things in simplicity that aren't always right about God. 
God is much more complex than the simplistic answer that sometimes the world gives or, or presents or even what I'm able to say and present within the homily, right? That God is more complex than that. And today, you know, one of the complexities of God uh, that we see, and especially with Jesus Christ, is that Jesus Christ came to seek the lost sheep, to save the woman at the well, but also to drive out those people in the temple. He came to bring and to save us from sin and to forgive us, but he also came to make it pretty clear that there is a hell, and that Jesus speaks about it pretty often. We hear about it today, right? The Son of Man will send his angels, Jesus is the Son of Man, to collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin. An interesting note there. The heinousness of causing others to sin and also evildoers and throw them into the fiery furnace. Now, we could just focus on that, and I think the church at certain times has focused on that, and sometimes our focus can be on that, and in reaction to that, sometimes we swing to the complete other side and completely, you know, ignore hell and anything bad, right? And then just focus on heaven. But it is proper to focus on both, right? That there is a heaven and a hell and that Jesus also speaks about the righteous, right? That will shine like the sun and gather them into the kingdom of their Father. Now, one of the other things about God uh, that's hard to understand is his relationship with this, right? With the evildoers, right? We can kind of understand, okay, it makes sense, you know, at the end of ages, like he says, you know, gather them up and and throw them into the fiery furnace where they'll be wailing and gnashing teeth. But we don't really understand the right now. Why is there evil in the world? Why does God allow evil to persist? Why don't just all the people who are evil or ever going to do evil, why aren't they just struck down right now? Right? Seems like God could be able to tell and he'd be able to do that and, and, and then we'd have a lot better world. And in fact, this is probably one of the greatest, I think, uh, arguments against God's existence, right? Why is there evil in the world? Why is there suffering? Why is there these things that seem to go against a loving God? And Jesus, in his parable, explains part of that. I would say part of it because there's a lot more to go along with it as well. But he explains that, right, does the God does not sow the seeds of sin. God does not do that. He sows good seed. But yet there is another that has come and sown evil seed in this world. And why doesn't he just pull up that seed right away? Well, because if he pulls up all the evil seed, then there's a chance that good seed might also be uprooted. And we think about that in our own life. You know, we think about uh, the ways that we've suffered or endured evil or maybe even sin. And we might want to say, well, God, why don't you just rip it up right now, right? That seems like the best option. Just get rid of it right now and and then we're good. But we also recognize that sometimes the uprooting of that bad seed also uproots the good. And that we see in God's providence that sometimes allowing us to suffer, sometimes allowing us to sin, 
in his mercy actually draws us into a deeper fruit of good if we allow God to participate in it. And I think this is an important principle for us to understand about God, that God is not overcome by evil. We can kind of, within this parable, we can seem like as if the master and the devil, right, the son of man and devil are on equal footing, right? The son of man sows the seed and then the devil, who's just another, another guy just as powerful, sows the bad seed. But we know that that's not the case. God is not in an equal fight with Satan and with evil. We hear in the first reading in the book of wisdom this beautiful line. It says, your mastery over all things makes you lenient to all. Your mastery over all things make you lenient to all. And we can think about it in a similar situation. Let's say a three-year-old attacks an adult, right? He's coming at him with everything that he's got. Well, is that adult, you know, really frightened? Is that adult going to punish or, you know, really be really hard on that three-year-old? No, they're going to be lenient, right? They're, they're going to probably tell them to stop, you know, attacking them, right? And maybe, maybe hold them down or, or, you know, and prevent them from, you know, doing much. But, but they're going to be lenient because there's a certain power over them, right? There's not that fear that comes of if a five-year-old is attacked by a three-year-old, right? The five-year-old's going to freak out, right? There's going to be a little bit more probably, you know, uh, uh, of a battle because it's a little bit more even. Whereas with a child, with a three-year-old attacking an adult, there's, there's, there's not much there. And the same way with God. And that's, that's, that's the relationship between God and evil, is that it's not, an evil, it's not an equal fight. We actually see his mastery over all things in his leniency towards all things. And I think uh, another principle, just to kind of highlight this again, is, is if we look at a bully, right, somebody who has to assert his authority, it's not because he has the authority or the confidence, it's because he doesn't have authority and confidence that often a bully acts in the way that he acts. But somebody who's confident in who they are, somebody who's confident in their power or in their authority, right, doesn't need to be a bully, doesn't need to assert his power, but is able to be lenient because he's confident in who he is. And that's God, who's confident in who he is, who's confident and able to deal with the wheat and the weeds, and he allows the leniency to be there. This is also a principle of the common good talked about earlier how, again, Jesus says that if he pulls up the wheat, he might, or the weeds, right, the bad seed, he might also affect the good seed. And we see this uh, philosophically and theologically in the idea of free will, okay? Now, free will gives us the opportunity to do both good and bad. Free will is this amazing gift that God gives us that allows us to actually love God. Without free will, we can't love God. We're just a robot, um, and we're not able to choose. Love 
isn't just an affection, it isn't just an emotion, it's a, it's a choice. And so, uh, without free will, we would not be able to love God. And so he gives us free will to be able to properly do that. However, the negative consequence is, is that free will also allows us to sin, to do evil, to turn away from God. And sometimes when we look at all the evil and we kind of feel overwhelmed by all the bad in the world, we say, you know what? It'd be better to just take all of that evil away and just take away free will. That would be a better answer. But, but it's not. Love is such a great good which is necessitated by free will. Free will is so incredibly important because it allows us to love. And yes, there are negative consequences. There is evil in the world, but God is not overcome by that evil. He overcomes it in his leniency. He overcomes it in his patience. He overcomes it in his suffering. We know that God is not overcome by sin and evil. Evil will never triumph. We see that because Jesus Christ came and he conquered physical death by dying himself and by rising on the third day. We see that physical death does not have the final word in God's kingdom. We also know that physical or spiritual moral evil and moral death does not have the final word in God's kingdom. That God has given us the sacrament of reconciliation to bring those who are dead in sin back to life. That those who don't know God are able to be brought to life in baptism. We see that God's mercy is enduring in all things and lenient, right? If we just ask for his mercy... And so, encourage us, and sometimes when we see or we feel that evil is overcoming the world, or sin, or evil is overcoming our life, allow God to be our strength. In the second reading, finally, it says that we do not know how to pray as we ought in our weakness, but the Spirit prays on our behalf, groaning. And similarly, when we don't know what to do, when there's sin and evil and suffering, don't rely on our own selves. Rely on the Spirit. Hand our weakness over to God. Hand ourselves over to God and allow His strength, His mastery over all things to help conquer, to help overcome, and to help give us peace and confidence uh, once again in this world. Because ultimately... He has conquered the world. He is Lord of all. He is master of all. But in that, he he allows the wheat and the weeds to grow. And so let us not see the the weeds as a disbelief of God, but instead see it as an opportunity to trust God once again. And that's what we do every single Mass is we trust God in the Eucharist. We trust God and we come to Him and we continue to let Him be our strength in our weakness.